Well, thank you um, again for joining us in being the church and, and bringing the church into um, this room. I'm very excited for what the Lord is going to do um, in us today. Um, before we hear the Word of God from a special um, guest speaker today, we're going to hear um, some testimonies from uh, three of our people who have recently come back from our team uh, from our trip to Ecuador. Um, as each of them come to share, uh, we'll give them a round of applause to welcome them. We'll hear uh, first from James Ye, and then from Alex Pack, and then from Joseph Kim. Okay, so uh, let's welcome James as he comes to share. Um, <clears throat> hi, my name is uh, James Ye. I don't know uh, for uh, those who don't know me. Um, uh, I am father to Jonathan, who is his first day at Harvest. Uh, Timothy, uh, and then I don't see my wife, Casey. Oh, there she is. Um, yeah, and so uh, this is uh, my uh, fifth trip back to Ecuador. Um, uh, it was my first ever mission trip. Uh, in my life, and God has allowed me to go back uh, uh, every year, uh, and um, you know, I was just really excited to go this year, especially because uh, for a while now, it's been our dream that we would take uh, some of uh, our harvest guys uh, that have gifts and talents and to share it with the people of Ecuador, um, and so we were able to take one of our largest groups there this year. Uh, we had a, a dental team that went with us. Uh, we had some uh, uh, folks from the KM, Korean-speaking um, congregation, and um, we were just uh, excited to go. And um, I think um, in the midst of doing all the business, uh, busyness of mission work, I just wanted to share just a couple of things that God was um, impressing on my heart. I feel like the 10 days were there were like a lifetime that I could stand up here and speak for hours and hours of all the things that God has showed me. But um, I'm going to go like in five minutes, so this is, this is my shot. Um, um, the, quick, uh, the, the, share that I, the story that I want to share with you is um, uh, when we first arrived in Ecuador, there, uh, the Joshua Project purchased six goats, um, and they brought it to the city of Lumbaki. And while the pen was being built, they tied the goats up underneath uh, Pastor Jose's father's house. And, you know, they just kept them there until the goat pen could be finished. Well, uh, we learned <clears throat> on that first night there that two of the goats had uh, escaped, and they ran off into the, uh, the forest area. I, I don't want to say jungle, but it's, it's pretty, you know, dense forest. And so, uh, you know, Mr. Park and a cu- couple of the KM guys like, well, we need to go into the forest, and we need to retrieve the two goats because, I mean, it was a lot of effort to bring these things down. Um, and they're like, oh, it could be dangerous. You know, there's like anacondas and, you know, stuff like that. Probably not, but, you know, they, they just didn't know what to do. Uh, but then the locals were saying, you know what? Don't worry about the two goats that ran off. Uh, the small herd that's left, the four of them, will cry out throughout the day or overnight, and the other two will hear that, and eventually they're going to come back to the herd. So they didn't go out and look for the two goats that were lost, eventually thinking that the other two would come back. And the reason why I want to share that story with you is that it's, um, I think it's, uh, for me, how God showed me what we're doing in Lumbaki, Sinangue, Cabeno, uh, in Quito. Um, the things that our mission team was doing um, uh, was just uh, very close to that story. Um, you know, I feel like the small churches there in Lumbaki, in Sinangue, Quito, 
and Cabeno, these are um, the small herds. And um, what they're doing is, is they're crying out to the people in their various cities and villages and towns, and they're trying to bring back the lost back into the herd. And um, what we do as a missionary team, the dental work that we do, the taekwondo, the VBS, the painting of nails, um, uh, doing all these little small things, helping them construct a church, all these things, what we're doing is we, we are encouraging this herd that's in these cities so that their voices could be louder, that they could ring out more, that we want to bring strength to their cries. And um, the funny thing is, is that as we do these work and as we're encouraging the churches there, um, you're going to hear from a lot of our guys, but that through these acts of services, you know, our hearts were touched and that we were blessed and uh, we were deeply moved by how God was using us. And so, um, you know, I, you know, I just uh, was so grateful for uh, God showing me this. I think the other thing that we also do as a missionary team is uh, whenever we go, we make it a point that Pastor DL or one of the pastors always preaches uh, at the small villages. Um, you, as you know, that uh, there is no full-time pastor. There's just a lay leader, and he's in charge of 13 churches in that area. And, and a lot of times when Pastor DL goes and he preaches and he speaks truth into the people there, um, I feel like he is um, giving uh, content to their cries. Not only are we encouraging them to cry harder and louder to reach more people, but the cries that we give out uh, have truth to them. It's not just some noise or um, misinformation that the society wants them to hear. And so I'm so encouraged when uh, we went back and Pastor DL was able to uh, have a wedding service and to show the people that this is what a biblical marriage looks like. And when we go back and we talk about um, the kingdom and, and, and the truth, all of that, that we are uh, encouraging them to speak truth also into, uh, into the lives of the people there. And so, um, you know, I think um, I would say 95% of this uh, entire trip was um, very good, uh, enjoyable, happy, um, but there were some things that God showed me on this trip that was uh, very difficult as well. Um, I think one of them is that um, we got to pray for a young um, lady named Margot. I, I know Chris had mentioned that. And basically, she's just a mom of three. Uh, her husband is a fisherman. Um, she doesn't get to see him much. And uh, she's suffering from throat cancer. And uh, she said that she's going to get some kind of treatment in September, but it, it has spread to her lungs. And... Um, you know, it just didn't seem like a good situation for her. And, um, you know, I was, I was dealing with uh, this uh, feeling of why, why God's people have to suffer. You know, why is there uh, suffering like that that has to happen with, uh, with God's people? And, you know, I was wrestling with that as we were in the Lombaki area. But when we came back to Quito, we, we got a chance to visit the orphanage um, where the mentally um, challenged children were. And a lot of them um, have been there for years. You know, one girl has been there for 16 years. They were abandoned by their families. They're abandoned by uh, government. Um, you know, everything about their lives seems hopeless. And um, um, uh, to be honest with you, you know, I think um, I, I don't know why I felt so uh, emotional at the time, but pretty much uh, by the time that we got there and we started singing our first song, you know, I was 
I was just crying the whole time. Um, and I didn't stop crying until we left, um, you know, the, the, the time that we spent there. Um, and it, it was just a really heart, heart-aching kind of experience. It was a, a helpless feeling. Uh, it was a sad feeling. And it was kind of a feeling why, um, you know, God, why are you showing me this? Why am I here um, singing these songs and saying the gospel message, not knowing whether if these children are able to hear the message or not. And um, um, and I, I guess for me, I really have no real answer other than the faith that um, in the Bible, uh, in Luke, it says that uh, God is the shepherd and he will leave the flock and he will go out and find that lost sheep and bring him back. My answer to the things that I saw is that I have faith in God who loves. I have a faith of God that goes out and reaches to the, uh, to the sick, the poor, the lame, the people that uh, the society has rejected, and he will bring them back to the herd. It is my job to do the best that I can in the herd, to keep crying out, and to serve faithfully. Um, it's not a perfect resolution, but it's something that I, I cling on to, as I think about the children there at the orphanage and as I look forward to going back um, uh, to Quito uh, in Ecuador uh, in the upcoming years. Um, and so those are some of the things that God just impressed upon me. And, and if I can close with this, just a quick uh, announcement or uh, another story, um, just by a show of hands, if I told you guys that there's a party at my house after church, how many of you would you come? Okay. Now, what if I told you it's going to be nothing but food, meat fest, uh, steak, tamgyeopsal, whatever. You know, it's going to be the best thing. And, and it's open not just to, you know, like married couples or college, but high school, sixth graders. is open to everybody. How many would come? Okay, now, what if I told you if you have no ride, we're going to furnish the rides for you. We're going to pick you up. We're going to take you to the house. When you're done, we're going to take you back home and make sure you arrive safely. How many of you guys would come? Okay. Oh, babysitting too. Whatever you need. <laughs> Everything is taken care of. The reason why I, the reason why I share that story is uh, the sad truth is there is no party like that at my house. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Um, but... But there, is, but there is a party that's even bigger than that, better than that, uh, being hosted by Jesus. And it, it occurs, it happens um, in places like Quito, in Cabeño, in Sinangue, uh, in Lumbaki. It happens in our house churches. It happens uh, in your homes. It happens in school, in your places of work. There is a great feast that God is preparing and he's inviting all of you guys. Some of you have been invited for the first time to come. Some of you are being invited to come so that we can rejoice and celebrate for the work that God is doing there. And my encouragement to you this morning is that uh, I know that I would want for you guys, all of you guys, to go to Ecuador and visit the people there. But I also want you to recognize that that's not the f- only feast that's going on. There are great banquets and feasts happening in every stages of our lives. And I want you guys to recognize that and respond to that in a way where we can exercise our faith, our love, and the things that God has given to us. And so um, 
I, that, that's my story for Ecuador. I hope it's an encouragement to you guys. And I prepare the way for Alex Peck, El Chaco's <laughs> finest. I think a funny thing about that story is uh, uh, throughout this trip, God spoke to me through many unique ways. And I think, to be completely honest, I think uh, that El Chaco experience was, uh, was, I think God was pretty much trying to boost my confidence in the way I look. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's my confession to you guys. But uh, throughout this trip, um, God's uh, given me many convictions and uh, spoke to me, through again, through many unique ways in that. I'm going to share them with you. Uh, the thought of going on missions has been stuck in my mind ever since I was a freshman in high school. <clears throat> Looking back, I believe that uh, those were convictions from God telling me to go, but it actually took me a while to actually go. Year after year, I would hear people of our congregation share these life-changing testimonies about their experiences, and every time I would hear these stories, I said to myself, I'm absolutely going next year. However, as summers would pass by, I would use my most reliable excuse, summer school. This became a yearly thing. Yes, I took summer school every summer. This became a yearly thing, and I ended up going six years disobeying God's call for me. Fortunately, our God is a God who's not going to give up his plans on me just because I'm fickle. It was about a year ago that our brother Joshua Tico Kim went home to be with our God while serving in Ecuador. And being a close friend of Tico's, his passing affected me in a, a great way. I remember Tico's passion for serving God and his willingness to go on missions. He was never hesitant and always obeyed. Compelled by Tico's life and the love of Christ, I committed myself to go on the summer 2012 Ecuador mission trip. Throughout this trip, God spoke to me through, spoke to me in many different ways. From the very beginning, I felt God's love and protection over me. Our team had to ride on a bus many hours to Lumbaki. On the bride, I looked out to the windows to see the mountains, hills, and rivers of Ecuador. Now, uh, if anyone knows me, I'm really not a person that cares much about nature. If someone comes up to me and says, hey, let's go outside and watch the clouds, I'd be like, nah, and uh, I think I was, uh, but I can sincerely say that looking at the mountains, hills, and rivers of Ecuador was something I was genuinely astonished by. Uh, like, there were trees on the mountains and hills, and like, it was windy, and it made the trees look like, and made the, the trees made, the, the moving trees made the mountains look like a moving mountain. And uh, while looking out, I was listening to Your Love is Strong by John Foreman, and a line from the song goes, two things you told me, you are strong and you love me. And the combination of the beauty of Ecuador and the song's lyrics moved me into a place where I was reminded of how loving our God is and the constant shelter he covers us with. And uh, one of the days we traveled to Sinangwe to do ministry. Now, uh, I don't really think I have any specific, real specific skills or talents. And prior to the trip, I didn't think I had anything to offer to the team. But it was here that I started to feel God using me. I was one of the members who was given the opportunity to share a lesson from the Bible uh, I got to share with the children the story of Jesus feeding five loaves of bread and two fish to 5,000, uh, which actually happens to be my favorite story from the Bible because I really like bread. And uh, <laughs> I was nervous, and I was nervous, I stuttered, and even messed up the story by saying it was five fishes and two loaves of bread. However, I was even though I messed up, even though in that slight second I was like, man, I messed up, I was reminded that the people... Um, they might not remember, you know, our skits, our taekwondo demonstrations, our stories, or how to brush our teeth. 
but they'll remember the people that did those activities and the fact that they did it out of their love for Christ. Another, another way I felt God speaking was when I was involved with the construction of the goat pen, which is a part of the Joshua Project started by Tico's Project. So this is what we had to do. We had to carry these, uh, pick up these long, heavy wooden boards. There are like hundreds of them. To me, there are hundreds of them. And uh, we would have to transfer them to the goat pen, which was at least a quarter mile away from our destination, I mean, uh, starting point. So our starting point was at a house. A couple miles behind the house, there was a, there was a goat pen. And in that, in between those two points, there was a, there was a wet, muddy terrain. And uh, I think that uh, just that we could all agree by just looking at me, I'm clearly not a physically built person. As a result, this was an exceedingly exhausting experience for me. There were many times when I, where my foot and even leg got stuck in the mud. I would drop the boards, or just I, I or I just had to stop and take a break. <clears throat> Sorry, there's like stuff in my mouth. <laughs> however, at one point, Kenny. However, at one point, Kenny came up to me and said, uh, "You got this, man. Remember T I C O, which is spelled Tico. If you don't know how to spell." Right afterwards, I imagine Tico serving there with me, and uh, we all know that Tico was a much skinnier person than I am. But even though he would have struggled to carry those birds, boards, he'd still have a smile on his face just because he knew that through these actions, more people would come to know the love of Christ. I told myself, if moving a couple of boards is going to help contribute to people experiencing the love of Christ, I'll be glad to keep going. I was reminded that nothing we do, if done out of our love for Christ, will never be wasted. Lastly, I remember being blessed by the people of Ecuador. They're kind, they're generous, they're welcoming, and uh uh, one specific moment was at a house church meeting uh, with my host family, uh, Kenny and my host, Kenny and my, Kenny, me and my, Kenny and uh, mine, host family, along with other families. I shared, I shared that night about how God, uh, I shared that, I shared that night, uh, I shared that night about how God pulled me out of depression and put me hope, put hope into my life. You know that same testimony I always shared like throughout these past couple of years. And after sharing, my mother, my host mother shared her testimony about how her son passed away at the age of six. He would have been my age, 21, 22, and how she and her family turned to God. And uh, it was God who put peace and love into their lives. Since then, they dedicated their lives to serving God the best way they can. Uh, this hit me hard. I specifically remember when sharing my testimony saying, because God placed hope into my life, I could sort of become a counselor to become to people that went through similar things as I did. Uh, this past year, I lost sight of that conviction, and I even lost confidence in what I could do with my psychology degree. I ended, ended up doubting God's plan for me and would have been completely fine working a desk job, inputting data at an average apartment. And I, I knew this wasn't the best I could be serving for God. Unlike my host family, who was working their best for him, compelled by my host mother's testimony, I made a commitment with God and myself right there to pursue some t- sort of career in counseling or social work, and not to settle for anything easy and do my best out of my love for Christ. I'm being totally, I'm being totally honest, like for real, totally honest when I say that this trip was one of the greatest experiences of my life. There was much more I experienced on this trip than from what I said so far, and I would love to talk about it afterwards. But on this trip, God blessed me immensely and placed a love for Ecuador in my heart. I'm grateful for the life of my brother, Tico, and amazed by the effect he has had on us and the people of Ecuador. His life was definitely not in vain. And after spending a week in Ecuador, I can earnestly say that God has everything figured out and his plan is so much greater than we could imagine. Because of this, I made a commitment to go back to 
this country as soon as I can, maybe as soon as the winter trip. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for, you know, their prayers and financial support. And attend. I just, like what everyone else has been doing the past couple of weeks, I want to highly recommend people go on missions. I can boldly say that you will be changed. I boldly say it. I definitely say that you will be changed and have one of the finest experiences of your life. And don't worry about finances or timing. I worried about it. And look at me. It worked out. Just make a commitment to go, and God will provide for you. Trust me. It's worth it. And thanks again. I'm nervous. Hey, Josiah. Good to see you again. Who's in my small group? That's why. And then I was excited. To, oh, never mind. <laughs> I don't know if I should sit down or just stand because I'm kind of nervous. Pray for me. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to read this. Okay. I want to start off by saying thank you for those who uh, stay behind and pray for our team. I'll be sharing about how God worked within me along, along with some lessons that I learned and some commitments, commitments I have made. This month of August was crazy, one of the uh, crazy one for me and for some others like Daniel. I went to Ecuador, then to Jajan, which is a youth retreat in, the, in Indiana. And I just got back from Harvest Retreat, a college student retreat in Virginia. I can truly say that God has God was in all three places and worked within me in three in different ways. So I'll start off by in Ecuador. God began to work within my heart. I remember the first morning uh, morning devotional time in Quito. As we were praying for each other, Pastor Dio prayed, God, deepen Joseph's well in his heart so that he can receive more of you. From that morning on, that was my prayer throughout the trip. During our seven hour drive to Lumbaki, I reflected on my life. And I started asking myself, was drinking at every chance possible worth it? Why did I do it? What happened to my GPA? Well, surprisingly, as I was questioning myself, I noticed that I was soft. I was I noticed that God was softening my heart little by little. I also realized that <clears throat> from that point on, it was becoming a regular thing for me to have continual conversation with God. For example, before we do anything, I'll, I found my I found myself asking. Would God be pleased with this? What would, would God be pleased with what I'm doing? If someone needed healing, I would pray inside my heart, and surprisingly, that person would be healed. This was how I saw God was working in my heart, but Ecuador was only the beginning. Then, going to Jajan, I feel like God wanted to teach me how to grow spiritually. I learned about putting myself in a lonely place for God. I learned about filling my, <clears throat> feeding myself with His words and also to listen to God when He speaks to me. A lot of times, we want God to shout at us so we can hear him. But sadly, that's not how God works. Many times, he just, wants, he just whispers in our ears so that we can have a heart that wants to listen to him. Thirdly, at Harvest Retreat, I learned to be used by God. I was convic- convicted that I needed to be the light that shines for my fraternity brothers who are lost and for my non-Christian, non- non-Christian friends. All right. One memorable <clears throat> day in Ecuador was when I went to River where my brother passed away. At first, I didn't really feel any emotions. I just, I just thought I would be going to a river when my brother had, had his last breath. Surprisingly, God spoke to me in a weird way. As I was thinking about him, he placed a song called Arms Open Wide in my heart, which is my favorite song now. And it goes like this. As I closed my eyes, it began to sing the chorus of that song, which says, My whole life is yours. I give it all. 
surrender to your name, and forever and ever I will sing, have your way, have your way. I thought of my brother and how he gave his life in surrendering to, surrendering to Jesus. After that, whenever I thought of my brother, I was in a place of repentance and saw an image of Jesus smiling at me. This really gave me comfort and ease in my heart, knowing that my brother Tico is in heaven singing praise song, praise songs with Jesus. During harvest retreat, the second night of prayer time, I remember praying with one of the prayer ladies who had lost her husband exactly two years ago. As I was telling her about my brother, she really encouraged me because I felt like she knew the pain I had went through. She taught me to lift those pains to Jesus because we don't need to suffer or be hurt by it anymore. That night, I can truly say that I gave my brother up to Jesus where he belongs. After he prayed for me, after she prayed for me, I couldn't stop smiling throughout the whole night, asked Josiah. After, starting that night, I was convicted to share my brother's story to others and not keep it to myself anymore. Last year, when the accident happened, I honestly hated bringing up my brother to my friends or thinking about him. I felt sad whenever someone brought him up and didn't want to be pitied, be pitied, pitied by other, <laughs> other people. But through this retreat, I realized that what I have is a gift from God. To use my own brother's testimony to glorify God and share the gospel with people by telling them what my brother had died for. I realized that I'm really blessed because of my brother's story. Now my commitment is to continue to share my brother's life. Another thing that God has placed in my heart is for those people who actually witnessed my brother's death. At first, when, when the accident happened, I only thought about my family and myself. I thought we were the one who needed most of the prayers. But as I went back to the river with people who, who were there, I realized how tough it was for them and what a struggle it is for them. I thought of a lot about them and would share that. I remember a lot of them would share that they, they replayed the image of my brother floating away over and over, over and over again. I would say to myself, wow, that must be a lot of pain. Then forget about them sooner or later. But I realized that it is really painful for them, feeling hopeless and feeling powerless, not being able to do anything about it. So I made a commitment to pray for those who were there with my brother. And I really challenge you guys to pray for them as well because they need it. Also, during Jajin, I began to write down journal entries and scriptures that touched my heart. And I challenge you guys to do that as well because God will really use all the little things we do to bless, bless us and show us how much he loves us. Lastly, I remember, I remember saying last year the greater things are yet to come. I believe greater things have happened already. But with all my heart, I truly believe there are greater things that are yet to come. Through my brother's life and through our church, that I thank God that we get to be part of something so great. Thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, thank you to all three of you, James, Alex, and, and Joseph, for sharing. Um, I think we are, hopefully as you're hearing these, you're realizing the absolute importance um, of if God is calling us to go, for us to go, and the work that he can do. But each of these three, and, and in the weeks past, as people have come up to share, um, it is a testament to how um, those who are sending and those who are praying are so vital to this mission that these testimonies are uh, the fruit of prayers and the fruit of answered prayers. And so um, it is a complete and utter partnership that is necessary in doing the work of God. And so, um, again, for those who went and for those who sent, thank you so much for being part of building um, God's kingdom in Ecuador as well as in, in, in our own lives.